all these fucking people that come here and they try to impose their New York will on Miami should go fuck themselves. And I think that Miami has essentially told them to go fuck themselves because a lot of them have closed. All right, welcome back to... Not welcome back, welcome, just welcome. Welcome back for us because we were just here two minutes ago, but for you it's been a week or a year. Who knows how much time we put between these two episodes. Welcome to Bang Gong Podcast. Welcome. This is a special mini episode. I'm Nick Jimenez, joined by Carlos Carlo Carlo Rodriguez. Rodriguez. right. And Michael Beltran. The Hello. man himself. Hello. We are limiting this episode to 30 minutes because we feel pretty much crippled by the absence of Petey the Dog. Uh, <laughs> which, I don't it know if we'd make it all minutes. 60 minutes without It would have been 40 him. minutes if Petey was here. <laughs> no, an hour and 40 minutes. Yeah, yeah, for Petey sure. Petey deserves all the time he can get. Uh, so, uh, so shout out to Petey the Dog. Uh, who's Petey the dog on Instagram? P e a t y the dog. Um, so, <laughs> um, okay. Petey. So, so on this mini episode, we're going to try to keep it to about half an hour, give or take, uh, and we're going to be touching on three count them one, two, three broad topics. One, one two, of them three. will be Nave, which you've heard referenced in this uh, podcast a number of times. Nave is the uh, new concept that is on the cusp of opening. That cusp might be 24 hours. It might be 24, 24 months. Days. I don't know. Mike never really gives us a timeline. So that's okay. That's okay. Closer now than we were yesterday. I keep seeing pictures of everybody dressed the same in there. So I assume that means we're getting closer. No one has any other clothes. That, exactly. Closet. Everyone's doing their laundry at the same time. At the same time. Ah! Hey, this is Nick. I am just interrupting the podcast real quick to let you know that we recorded this before Nave opened. But it is open. So... Get to Coconut Grove, eat at Nave. You can follow them on Instagram at Nave Miami. That's it. Ah! Uh, the second <laughs> thing we'll talk about is Cuba, which has come up a number of times um, on this podcast with past guests. Cuba and is finally, an island in the Caribbean? It's an island, yes. 30, That's what uh, I hear. Yeah. Uh, and then, uh, finally, we will kind of just offer some recap. recap thoughts on the last five guests, which is a number we sort of pulled out of nowhere, but I Not think more six. than that would be overwhelming. Uh, that we've had on Bangkok Podcast. So, right. to start, Mike, give us an update on Nave. And for people who haven't heard about it, like, so tell Na- us what it is. Yeah, Nave is our new seafood restaurant that is located right here in Coconut Grove, 3540 Main Highway, next to our flagship area. And uh, Nave is ready to go. I'm just waiting on a couple more signatures from people in the city. So we can open, but we did a dry run on Saturday, and it was incredible. It's like one of those things, you know, Justin and myself, my my chef partner, Justin Flitt, um, have been working on this project for almost two years, from when it was an empty room to what it is now. And to be able to, like, Justin expedite and me cook on the line and then just, you know, yelling and fun and just, like, it was it was incredible to see, like, servers and the uniforms and you know, we just put up the sign and, you know, furniture and stuff. And it's just like, it's incredible. You have this empty, this blank canvas to now, you know, we have a thing. We have a living, breathing thing. And now I'm just waiting for the world to be a part of it. Uh, as long as the city of Miami could fucking let me, it would be great. Let me ask you a question. Your experience opening up the other restaurants you have, has that all played a part? In, of course. In this, helping you this, kind of dot your... T- Dot your eyes, cross your T's yeah. in a way that you don't waste any time. The one thing 
I will say I made an 18-wheeler truckload of mistakes with Ariette. That's a good way to put it. And I'm the, an 18-wheeler kind of guy. You don't yeah, know me. But Nick this, this restaurant, the fact that it's still standing literally is incredible. And that's why I'm so proud of it and why I love it so much. So, you know, as we've gone and we've opened up more things, the one thing I vowed is like, you know, let's learn from our mistakes. And Nave thus far has been pretty incredible. Uh, And luckily, I've taken a lot of uh, advice from former, you know, bosses of mine, one of which Michael Schwartz, you know, in the opening process, how to look at things and how to handle things and et cetera, et cetera. So um, that's made the opening pretty amazing thus far. Now we just need to fucking actually open, uh, which would be great. So, yeah, I mean, that's the Nave update. The menu, the food is incredible. Our chef de cuisine, Nunzio, um, longtime friend, incredibly talented guy. You know, he's been amazing to work with. On Saturday when we did our dry run, it was me and him bookends on the line and then younger guys in between. And then our sous chef, Jeff Perez, is has done an amazing job. He used to be a line cook at Ariette, and now he's a sous chef. And he ran the whole garbage station, which is tough because it's a bunch of raw bar and stuff. So that is the update. I will have more soon. Check Instagram oh, for when we're actually going to fucking open. What's the Instagram? Nave Miami. As long as you said that, because I know uh, when we did the Norman Van Aken episode, yeah. that term came up. I had no idea what you were talking about. What? And I asked you about it later. For the uninitiated, define garmange. Oh, garmo is uh, where all the cold stuff comes from. So your salads, your crudos, your ceviches. So your this is the station in the kitchen. Yes. It's a kitchen station. Yeah, you know, saute, grill, fry, garmo, pastry. How many cool. stations are there? Ariette has one, two, three, four, five. Oh. Nave has more. Uh, one, two, three, four, five, seven. If you if if one particular station requires a little bit more work, maybe due to the pasta, uh, the, the, the the focus of the restaurant, do you double up on the stations or could, yeah. could there be two? Well, you know, garbo stations. Two stations had two people each, which was myself, a younger cook, and then Nunzio and a younger cook. So, yeah, I mean, we're you never know until after you open because you could just yeah, right. sell a ton of pizzas. So like we don't know yet, right? Um, you learn after a while. Is there pizza on the menu? There is. There's two pizzas. Nice. Mm. Yeah. All right. We have an oven. So, hard shift. Cuba. Cuba. Cuba has come up a bunch of times. Cuba came up, certainly with Edwin Andrade. Cuba came up even a little bit with uh, with Annie Meinhold, just in yep. the context of, you know, communicating culture through food with Pablo. Uh, we've had people, I, I don't know about you, I've had people approach me, yep. telling me about, like, you know, hey, hearing that conversation, and what's... I wrote a little bit about this on on Twitter. Uh, We're going to talk about that. We'll talk about that. Yeah. About about what? Yeah, your comments on Twitter. I like them. They were good. Okay. Um, This is an entire episode. Nick's comments on Cuba. Oh, man. No, we don't have I'm going to try to restrain myself here. Ten minutes or... Yeah. Yeah, But we are going to have a conversation when we turn off the mics. We've got things to talk about. Oh. So. I feel like I'm about to get reprimanded. No, no, no. You're not. This is exciting Uh, shit. Oh, good, good. You're going to get Yeah, you're going to like it. Okay. But that's not happening here. Come on. Okay. So, just you tell me. You tell me... What I imagine that these are conversations that you 
when you're sitting in front of a microphone, the conversation takes a different tone and it's more deliberate and you're going deeper than maybe just casual passing references. I have spent a lot of time talking Cuba in like an organized way because that's like what I came from years and years ago. What's that been like for you? Like has this, has talking Cuba this way with people been different for you and talking Cuba on the record and in a way that's like broadcast out? Yeah. Well, I've never been scared to share my opinion. Um, but I think this experience, what it's done the most for me is made help me realize that I'm not the only one that feels this way, which is incredible. You know, the conversation we had with Vicky, um, well, her comment is something that stuck with me. And it's it's I think about it every single day since she said it, which is we are the children of the forgotten. We are a Hispanic culture that no one wants to say is Hispanic, that everyone wants to say you 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 guys are are not this or that or the next because we're a small island 90 miles off the coast and you know just people saying no we we will not be forgotten we are not okay with that we will not be okay with just you know like fizzling away to being either your Starbucks macchiato or being compared to Mexicans and tacos or arepas or whatever the fuck it is. We are our own people and we will stand that way. Our generation speaks very loudly and they're starting to walk with super hard purpose. And I think that more than ever, it's made me in, feel like incredibly proud. And honestly, since she said that to me, it's been like, fuck, she nailed it. Like we are... We are a for- forgotten culture because we're such a small, it's so small. And it's, e- it's easy to not realize that being here. Right. Well, that's even more so because, um, you know, we're in the South, right? Like South Florida. Like we are the fucking, the most South you can get. But there's nothing South about this the place. The bottom. Yeah. There's nothing South about Miami. Miami is the Caribbean. It is an extension of Hispanic culture. It is an extension of Cuba. It, you know, it's just... And even of Haiti and of Jamaica. like Yeah, the entire Caribbean. Yeah. Everything. Like right. that whole... We encompass all of that. Right. So, yeah, we're not the South. And that's why we're so misunderstood. I'm, I'm just like... I'm so over people just saying like Miami is whatever the fuck they want to call us. No, we are a fucking melting pot of a bunch of great shit. So stop trying to like make us conform so you can better understand who we are. The that's South just not stops how it is. at the Dade Broward County line. Absolutely. That's just not how it is. We will not be kind of like stereotyped. And we're not going to be okay with you saying that we are. We. It goes back to what I told you the other day. It's like, I'm tired of trying to be put in a box because we're not that. We are a melting pot, you know? And that statement to me has been so strong. And I, I like. I don't know. It's like woken me up in the middle of the night. Like we are the children of the forgotten. And I don't want my grandparents to be forgotten. I will not. If it is the last thing that I do on this planet, it will be the fact that my grandparents sacrificed a fuck ton for a reason. And they won't be forgotten. You know, and that's why this the tone of that conversation that we've had so much in this. You know, when we started talking about this, we never wanted this to be like a recurring issue. We never wanted it to be a thing. But again, it goes back to four years ago. You cannot run away from who you are. 
And I, I, I refuse to do that ever again. So it's like, I, re, I and it's people have told me like, you're not Hispanic, you're white. Listen, man, I'm fucking Cuban. Yeah. 150 fucking percent. Yeah, of course. And if you don't want to understand me because of the color of my skin, then that's your own fucking problem. Yeah. But I will not be okay with that. And I'm not going to stand by for people to tell me like who the fuck I am and where the fuck I came from. Yeah. So it's just like this tone, like Eileen doing what she's doing the Amparo experience and how important that's been. And that's, and I said it in the, in the episode, forget about what it's attached to. It's attached to a liquor brand. Yeah. And I'm the first one to say it's a bunch of bullshit, but you know what? Forget it. Cause it did. It served a great purpose. Whether Havana club actually knew what they were doing and Bacardi knew what they were doing. It served a great purpose. I think no one knew what the Amparo experience. Right. Would is what, what it well, became I think, I think, when they first started uh, doing Nikki it. Did. I, I, you know what? I, just, I'm not even going to say devil's advocate. I think you and I have different perspectives on this. Great. I think. Like so many things. On so many things? Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I, so I wrote about the Empato experience. Uh, and I, I had a chance to talk to a lot of people who were on the Bacardi side. And, man, I, I think they knew exactly what they were doing. I'm and, not, I, and I think. I'm, I'm not. And, and yeah, there's money involved. But it, it's not a project they had to take on. And I think that it's one of those things... That's a good point. Like, imagine yourself getting to the point where you are, like, in whatever. I don't know that you would even want to go down this route. But you've got fucking restaurants all over the place. You are... You're, you're, no. This is passive income mode. No, thank you. What, whatever. Whatever it is. Like, yeah. you, but you're good. Maybe. You're good. There isn't a level of success where you stop giving a fuck about Cuba. Right. I think it's a little unfair to the Bacardi's. Whatever you may think of, and I don't know what you think, but whatever, whatever, no, they don't do, know. whatever they do with the rest of their business and whether it's something to agree with or not, at the end of the day, I think there's a little bit of a leap that's taken to get from whatever the experiences of the rest of their business and whether they really give a fuck about Cuba. Because I, I in no way am saying that they don't care. Yeah. And in no way am I saying that they did this for a money grab. I'm just saying separate the part that they're a liquor brand because yeah. honestly like that whole that that industry the liquor industry is super fucking shady sure yeah super I, don't, I don't doubt that at all so that's what i mean by that like them personally if they had an emotional attachment to them even better uh, but i'm but not gonna make it's, that it's, I, it's a cuban family behind it like the, I, I know that and i'm but i'm not gonna make that assumption because i just know how dirty the liquor industry is and sure. i'm not saying that them personally but, i'm separating the both they did a great thing if they did it for good reason even better, yeah. but I'm I don't know them, so I'm not going to say that that's why they did it. Yeah, you know, it's just like I, the the thing that comes to my mind is in the and and in the current iteration of the show, like there's a and yes, is it to their benefit financially or from a marketing perspective to throw this line in there or to allow it to be in there after Vanessa wrote it? Sure, but I think there's a reason other people don't go this far. And it's that they aren't as emotionally invested. And there's they a care. line in there where there's a, an explicit reference to Pernod Ricard as trafficking in stolen goods. Yeah. You don't hear that from anybody yeah. who has a beef with any other company. That's not a thing you hear. And you hear it here because it's for real. Yeah. Yeah. They didn't have to do that. They, the, the show could have begun and ended without that line in there. And they wanted to make sure that they took that jab. It is a lot like you're more. You're collaborating with the wrong people. Here. It is a lot more than just promotional or a marketing I don't. I mean, gimmick. I don't see the it show is as promotional. so much more. Like when you actually go to the show, it's not promotional. Yeah, yeah. the after party is a lot of Havana Club, but the actual show is not promotional. 
I'm well, the subject matter is a Venom Club. I'm just saying it's no, I, so much I, more. There's so much more to the show that is that is real and that has nothing really to do. That's not a, a purely marketing or promotional gimmick. Sure, is what I'm trying to say. And, and I, I agree. It's with important that. to clarify because I, I think if somebody heard that episode, they might have taken that as like a like the Bacardi's made a statement by accident or something. Like, I think it was very deliberate. Whatever people if, may if, think about the rest of the business, if they did it deliberately, I feel great about that. I just, the liquor industry to me is just very defunct, but that's a whole, we don't sure. have enough time in the yeah. 10 minutes for that. Maybe another episode. Sure. Some other time. Yeah, we'll bring the some liquor The after party is a lot of fun, though. I know, I've been. It it's incredible. Like, if I could say so myself. Yeah. So, I mean, the music a, is so-so, yeah. but. And that conga guy. The conga guy. The So, talk, just to round out the Cuba thing, talk a little bit of, have you gotten feedback? I know, like, Danny Surfer talked a bit about it. Like, yeah. Talk a bit about... I don't think as much as you have. Maybe not. No, I mean, I've gotten some, uh, but definitely not as much as it seems like you have. Could you elaborate on the feedback that you've gotten? Sure. I mean, so it was uh, it was said more, not privately, like, in secret, but, you know, just... But I did have at least one other person who's uh, loosely, just defining the term loosely, in food media, um, whose name rhymes with... Randy BM Parba. Um, oh. <laughs> That's amazing. It's <laughs> <This is> incredible. <laughs> and uh, and yeah, I mean, he you know he, he uh, came to me and among you know now we're just making small talk and he was talking about like you know these were things that he hadn't heard before and in in that uh, series of tweets, you know I make he's one of the people I was talking about when I said you know that that these comments weren't coming from people who were totally disengaged, they were coming from people who had really like th- he's. He, it's hard to think of somebody who makes more of a point to um, uh, this ring over here is for us um, to uh, to engage and to get to know the community, especially in food. And I think the fact that he was talking about all this as like stuff he hadn't heard before says more about us. Yeah, as a as like the broad Cuban American community, we do a lot of talking to ourselves. Yeah, you know, and I think that between Amparo. Things like, you know, in our own small way, what we're doing here, um, you know, it's it's overdue, but it's, I agree with you. Like, this generation, for whatever, and maybe it's just that the two of us happen to be noticing it, but it feels like people are getting loud outside of just the strictly activist circles. Right. And, and that's important. Well, because, uh, and to elaborate on that, I think there's a good portion of our generation that feels a sense of being lost and they want to find out their roots you know like they want to find why it is we are the way that we are yeah. who we are and they're they're not scared when they find that and they get a little bit of that they're not scared to be that right you know like and i'll, I'll never forget um when we were first opening this place I said a couple things and I was like, you know, I want to do something, a couple things and be very true to like my past. And a former partner of mine was like, well, you know, we can't be considered a Cuban restaurant. And I just, I wasn't ready to fight it then, but I fight it now. You know, like now we are who we are. I'm going to do shit the way that I want to do shit. I'm going to, I'm going to wave my Cuban flag be happy to be Cuban American and like if you don't like it I really don't give you a shit you can wave your Cuban well, flag you know, like, and not be what, Cuban what, restaurant what, what's interesting to me about 
the Cuban food, Cuban food movement, right? Is that people are just like, well, people won't pay for Cuban food, right? So why is it that people pay for Southern food? Because let me tell you, I can get fucking fried chicken at Willie Mays for $9. Yep. I chose for six. Yeah, but it's not Willie Mays. No, it's not. So why is it that people are willing to go, and I'm not comparing myself to Sean Brock because I'm not that chef. I mean, he is a, he is a generational, like he changed the game for a Absolutely. generation. But why is it people will go to Husk or things, of, like, things like that and pay 30 bucks for fried chicken? So why aren't they going to come here and spend 30 bucks on a monkfish and Sandio made like oxtail? They will. Yeah. But you need to be proud of what you're doing. And you need to have purpose behind what you're doing. And I think that we have purpose. We are telling a Cuban-American story with Miami as a canvas. Yeah. I think it's also important that it's personal to you. Yeah. Right? Like if somebody said – like if, if that just became a dish, a thing, yeah. it'd be different if somebody said – Oh, well, I'm going to do another monkfish like Raul, like Raul did. Sean Brock is doing, it's coming from him, and right. here it's coming from you, and that makes it that much easier for people to connect with it. Right. So, and it just so happens that that Cuban-American identity is part of you. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, I, I, another thought that occurred to me earlier was, you know, the, all this, you know, difference between the generations thing. We're also coming into a point where, like, this is the generation that the experience of being Cuban American or Cuban in Miami or whatever it is isn't about survival or isn't about that like more tangible struggle like we have the to a certain degree we kind of have the luxury because we're a little bit removed or at least many of us from the actual immigrant experience um, you know we're able to uh, we have the luxury of being able to think about this stuff which is important like I think it's important that we not be in a position uh, that we not allow that comfort to lead to our forgetting sure. that generation, right? Sure. Like, because it's it's just as possible for that, you know, for the children of the forgotten to be among the people who've forgotten those people. At which point, the monkfish encendido is exactly what you should be doing, right? You're not forgetting the past, but you still have that that I'm, generational. I'm, I'm telling the story in my removal. own way. Exactly right. right. It's your I'm, story. I'm and you're not forgetting about I'm, it. I'm and you're not ignoring it. I'm telling the story. The way it resonates with me. Right. So I'm sure that we'll revisit yeah, all this stuff. This is a whole other fucking At some other point. At some point, we're going to have another Cuban in here. <laughs> and we're going to end up back know, on man. this stuff. This is Miami. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. They're so tough to find. the past five episodes. Past five episodes. So let's start. I'm just going to random thoughts from you. Let's like, because we're coming up on 28 minutes. Whew, uh, two minutes to recap. Wow. Watch out. Uh, let's start with Norman. Talk just in general about what that was like. So first, had you had that kind of sit down with him, or was that deliberate? No, no. We we've. I, mean, I know you. I know you talk plenty. Yeah, I mean, we we have spoken at length about lots of things. I mean, it's never been recorded, but that was an incredible experience to be able to talk to him and to share that with people because for people to understand how special of a person Chef Norman is, and for them to understand how much he's done for our industry and how much he's done for South Florida. I think people often forget how special of a person he is. And I, I like every time I talk to him, I, I feel even more proud having worked, for him, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. so I, I know Carlos for you, that was like one of the more memorable episodes for you. Absolutely. I, 
you you were saying now, Mike, that uh, how people forget Norman's importance in the story of of uh, South Florida cuisine. I hadn't forgotten. I didn't even know. So that episode, and then hearing and and witnessing the conversation in person was phenomenal. How that happened from because he's not from Miami. He's not from South Florida. How it happened that he came to South Florida, how he got to Key West, how he came to Miami, that whole story, and how this place influenced him in such a way that he became the father of South Florida cuisine, the godfather yeah. of South Florida cuisine. That was a, f- a phenomenal episode, and I loved hearing all of his stories, um, how he came up, and the fact that it happened so long ago. Well, not so long ago, but it, it didn't happen in the last 10 years, yeah. which was which was nice to hear that there is a semi-rich, long history of South Florida cuisine. Someone like me that I, I don't have a background in food or in restaurants or the food and beverage industry here in Miami. Hearing him and listening to your conversation was awesome, personally, to learn about where I'm from. Yeah. Yeah. He's an amazing... I mean, that was... The fact that he was on the show is, I'm flabbergasted. Right. Yeah. So let's skip over Victoria Goyalo and Vanessa Garcia, only because we talked a, bit, a bunch yeah, about Yeah, they get bottle. plenty of love. Yeah. yeah. Get out of here, people. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, so, so we're Anyways, skipping Michael over these Schwartz. people. Michael I, um, I feel fortunate also to have a very good relationship with Michael, and I think that very different personality. Oh man, <laughs> that's such an understatement. <laughs> but, but equally, like an incredible person, Michael was incredible to work for, and he did really amazing things for me in the three years that I worked for him. Um, what's I think what's not to be lost on that whole episode was like Michael's really honing in on running a successful food and beverage company. And that is his relentless pursuit of excellence. I mean, he loves Michael's Genuine and then all the other things after that. He just, like, it's incredible the relationship I have with him that how in tune he is with trying to make those businesses great. Yeah. So I loved that episode for so many reasons. Him calling yeah. me out about fucking up the pork at that, that pork event. Hey, but at least um, you got to sleep next to the fuck that, man. I thought people would stop. <laughs> you know what I, I really liked about that episode? What, what really struck me about him was that he went through it. He's he's made the mistakes, and it, it seemed to me just out of sheer stubbornness to succeed and his intensity and passion for food and for cooking is really ultimately what has made him become as successful as, as he is. Yeah, and he's got to go to the bathroom. And he's got to go to the bathroom. Yeah, and you also, I, I loved uh, him giving you shit about the how many books you read. How many what? How many books, how many you, books read? you read? I read a lot. What was the last one? Asshole. Yeah. <laughs> such a jerk. He's such a jerk. Uh, uh, so, just very briefly, since we talked about Norman and Michael, talk a bit about like if you had to sum up in a nutshell what you took from your time with each of them, not in the podcast, but in your career. Like, if if you look at how you operate now, if you had to like kind of sum that up, and I know that's probably hard. Yeah. Um, like, what, what would you say is, like, this is what I took from here and what I took from there? I think that I have a healthy dose of both demeanor-wise. You know, like, I, I like the way that Michael conducts himself. Uh, but at the same way, I like uh, Norman's thoughtfulness. Not to say that Michael isn't thoughtful either. Yeah. Um, it's just a different approach. Yeah. 
I think food-wise, the only thing that they have in common is their farm-to-table aspect because Michael did make it famous, but Norman has been doing it for 30-plus years. So, yeah. you know, we could say that it originated at Michael's Genuine, but uh, Norman Van Aken was one of the first people buying tomatoes from Tina's Pride 30 years ago. Yeah. Um, so, you know, that's cool. Uh, when it comes to food, I it, like when you see the like my creative process, there's a good dose of both of them in there. So... I don't know. I, I feel fortunate just being able to do both. Cool. So I, I skipped over her in, in order because I wanted to talk about the two of them together. Uh, but we had Aileen Andrade on. Right. S- certainly on the younger side. Sure. Grogueta royalty. Yes. Pretty cool. Yes. Uh, if I had to be any kind of royalty, that's the kind I'd want to be. Absolutely. I mean, in Miami, she should have a shrine. You might as well. <laughs> There's going to be a small statue for Ila Canarias in Finca somewhere. Yeah, maybe, in Finca small, maybe in Finca Town. Maybe in Finca um, so just talk about that. Like, I, I don't know what, honestly, I, I don't know what your relationship was or is with her. Oh, I mean, I, I, um, we just became friends a couple years ago and I, I love, I love how she took food that way that no one thought was going to make it. And she was like, fuck it. We're going to do it anyways. And she's crushed it. I think that yeah. that's been really cool to see. And the fact that she's so humble about that, that's so rare, you know, like, so I think that was awesome. Her humble nature is really good to be around. I don't know. There's a lot of things about Eileen personality-wise that I find incredible because she's an incredible person. Yeah. Um, and from a food perspective, I I think that I wish she gave herself a little more credit because she has done a lot of game-changing shit. She has done a lot of game-changing sh- shit that she should be very proud of. Yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. Um, that putting bagarrita on a pizza, to me, was... That changed. I've actually game. never had that. That changed, uh, that changed that my game. Oh. Yeah. yeah, you don't know how much the game's been changed. <laughs> <laughs> um, so most recently, our most recent episode was Tyler Malik of Salt and Straw, who you didn't know at all before all that. Um, so just talk a little bit about... Um, Tyler about- Malik, I've found... Very interesting because he's so like mild mannered, yeah. soft spoken, caring, really cares to learn about Miami. And I'll tell you one thing that really grinds my gears. Tell us, Mike. As I talk about Tyler Malik, what I really appreciated about him was wanting to come to Miami and learn about Miami. All these fucking people that come here and they try to impose their New York will on Miami should go fuck themselves. And I think that Miami has essentially told them to go fuck themselves because a lot of them have closed. So the fact that he's bringing this, I want to learn about Miami, I want to use artisans from Miami, makes him different. And it makes me respect him to the utmost. Right. So that's why, I mean, it was a short conversation we had, interrupted by lots of fire alarms. But right. I, I, I loved it. I, I loved his approach. I thought it was awesome. He gives a shit. He gives a shit. I mean, he came. He didn't have to come and do a fucking podcast with us. He was no. only here for five days. He also didn't have to open up in Miami, you know. Yeah, I mean, you know, but that's you know, people offer you opportunities, and you know, that's a business move. You know, he, they Suppose. could have offered him something in fucking Dallas, and he, him did research and be like, "Oh, this is cool too." Right. I mean, it is what it is. Yeah, yeah. But but yeah, he could have come here and just okay. Yeah, here's my ice yeah, cream. Hey, here's yeah, my here's, Portland, here's, Oregon ice cream. Here's Dime my Pingao. salt and straw. I I hope. Are we going to work on getting him to use Empingao? Can, uh, can we get Sally Sobedo? Oh? Salt and Straw? Oh, all right. Who's next? Finally, the episode is not out yet, 
but Danny Surfer. Ah! Nick again. Yes, yes it is. That episode is out. You can hear the episode with Danny Surfer right now. In fact, go do that. Ah! Danny Surfer. There what? are not enough words to talk about Danny Surfer. I, Danny Surfer is one of my closest friends that I never thought I, I would be close friends with. Why is that? I don't know. I just, like, I, I didn't really know him. And then when we met, you know, when we became friends, like, he invited me to lunch. That's all it takes? No. <laughs> not at all. But when he invited me to lunch, um, you know, he really cared to learn about Ariette and to help me work through a lot of problems that I was having, both personally and professionally, you know, that like he didn't have to do that. So it's just amazing to like be able to sit there and talk to him about life and things. He's had such an incredible story, too, with his like recovery, um, you know, being clean. Yeah. Yeah. and all that that's just it's incredible and he he runs some great places that Miami is lucky to have around so we should all keep going yeah so and i'm going to throw out there he is the only guest we have ever recorded with yeah. who we got extra bonus footage of right right and that is because Danny Surfer yeah is a yo-yo monster yeah he's a yo-yo enthusiast i'm surprised he took up yo-yoing and not surfing Good call. Anyways. But anyway. Uh, wow. So uh, so anyway, thanks to all those people. and uh, we, didn't, we didn't even talk about Annie, though. Did we talk about Annie? I mean, we can. I, we just said we said five. Well, I like, we got to talk about Annie. Absolutely. Annie was incredible. Fuck yeah. Here he comes again. I don't know. I want to give Annie a shout out because um, I love also her relentless pursuit of improvement. Yeah. And how much she just she loves her restaurant, she loves his business, and she just wants to fucking crush it every day. I find that invigorating because, you know, again, it's one of those conversations that a lot of people are like, oh, you know, a restaurant opens, and after it's open, you can just fucking walk away. No, you can't. So it's like, you know, she posts photos of her, like, sanding down tables she, and restanding. She works. Like, You're an animal, man. You're yeah. amazing. So, All right. So with that, we're going to wrap up this episode. Um Thank you for listening. Yes, thank you so much for joining Nick, us. Nick, why don't Punk you tell Club us some Podcast. of the social media things? Our social media things time sponsored by our sponsor, right. JoJo Tea, based right here in Miami, Florida. You can find them at sipjojo.com. Sipjojo.com. And if you want to follow Michael Ortiz, yes, Michael the JoJo, Michael the Jo, Michael the, the JoJo, the JoJo himself. And That's if you right. want to hear Mike talk shit relentlessly, oh, follow so Tea relentless. Time. With Mike and Mike. Subscribe also to that featuring podcast. Me. <laughs> also, exactly. You're the other Mike. Uh, so people can follow you, your social media yeah, things. Pig Inc. is the personal one. Um, Ariat Miami, Nave Miami, Chugs Diner, Lane Timeout. What is it? Lania Timeout underscore. Timeout Lania. underscore Lania. Yeah. Um, or Elena. <laughs> I did that. No, I did that on purpose. <laughs> well, I don't think you have the option of English. No, I, no, I know, but. When I was coming up with the name, I was like, I need... Well, how would you say this in English? Lena. Didn't sound too bad, so... No, I man. Yeah. Anyways. That's your opinion. I got to run, guys. All right. Pancom Podcast on all the things. DadeMag.com slash Pancom Podcast. You're Carluba on things, but I don't know if people can follow you. you you've become, ah, uh, people can if they want yeah, to. Yeah, if they want to. All right. Thanks so thanks so much again. For the time, guys. This has been Thank great. You Thank much. you. And, yeah, uh, we're Big out of here. Dollar on Patreon a month or whatever that That's thing right. is. We're Follow us shit. on Reddit. I don't even know what the fuck that don't is. Fuck that, that's just, not a thing. Just he, does, he doesn't know how things work. Like All right. Get out of here, bro. Thank you.